0: Aren't you glad this morning that we are part of the story that God is writing? Aren't you glad that he wrote us into his story through Jesus Christ? We don't know what's going to happen in our lives. We don't know what the next week, the next day, the next moment holds. But we know who holds the next moment. And we can be thankful and we can be have such gratitude to our Lord for loving us and we can have the assurance that he lives within us. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to wonder am I in his safe care. I know through the Holy Spirit, I know that I have a Abba Father. I know that I have a Father in heaven who loves me. And I'm with him and he's with me. And I am so thankful for that. If you don't know that this morning, if you've never had the experience of blessed assurance I pray that before you leave this place today you'll have that experience nothing could ever replace it nothing could ever top it it's a wonderful wonderful thing this morning we have a, a member of our church here who has gone through over the last week a tough part of her story and yet God is still holding her tightly but uh, Peggy Hancock who is one of our senior Saints here who has been so faithful to this church last sunday morning a a gentleman she described as her best friend for 21 years took his own life 79 years old nobody expected it nobody saw it coming and it was just a, a shock to her a shock to his family a shock to no doubt the community around him and and she's of course struggling she's of course struggling this morning with the reality of what happened there and so she's asked that we would pray over her have a special prayer for her Aren't you glad, we say this a lot, but aren't you glad that we can come together as a family and we can bear each other's burdens? That's what the scripture tells us. That's how we fulfill the law of Christ is we bear each other's burdens. We don't let people walk this path alone, but we come beside of them. And we're, as one pastor I heard years ago said, we're Jesus with skin on. That's what we get to be. And that's such a privilege and we should never take that lightly. But Peggy, I'm going to ask if you... We'd like to come to the front right now. And if anybody else has just something special going on right now that where you would uh, request special prayer, we'd love for you to step out. We'd love for you to join Peggy this morning. We're just going to have a time of prayer just going to our Father and just asking our Father for our needs, for our daily bread, for the blessings that He wants to give us anyway because He's good to us and He loves us. So I would invite you, if you have a special need, please come and let's have a time of prayer together. And after those have come that need special prayer, I just invite anybody who wants to come around them and just surround them with a visible sign of the love of Jesus Christ. We'd like to invite you to come this morning. We'd like to invite you to pray with us. Heavenly Father, you are great, and you are greatly to be praised this morning. Father, I thank you for the praises, I thank you for the worship of this congregation this morning, God. I thank you, God, I pray that it blessed your heart. I pray that it honored you. I pray that it glorified you, God. I pray that the the meager offering that we brought, God, and I'm so thankful for our worship team, I'm so thankful for our musicians, and our singers, God, I'm so thankful for them, and I'm so thankful for this congregation. But, God, you are so perfect, and you are so holy, and what we bring is so, so frail in and of itself. But, God, I pray that it blessed your heart today. I pray that your children honored you, Father, in a way that you enjoyed. God, I thank you that even though you care, you are a God of this entire flock. You are God over all the sheep of this pasture and the, pa- the great pasture that you are putting together God you care about the individual you care about the one that's hurting you care about the one that has uh, gotten into the thicket of life and, and bad things have happened and they need anointing and they need healing God you care about that and I thank you that Jesus the Good Shepherd cares about our souls God, I come to you on behalf of Peggy this morning. Unexpected unexpected news last week. On the Lord's Day, she'd been here worshiping, she'd been here seeking you, and she went home to find out that one of her best friends had entered into eternity. And God, that's heavy. And God, I know there are no doubt heavy concerns here this morning among many of our number. God, you know those concerns. You know the person behind those concerns. God, you know what you're going to do ahead of time. God, you know the outcome from the beginning. God, you're all-knowing. God, you're all-powerful. God, you're all-wise. And so, God, we trust you this morning. God, for Peggy, I pray that you would bring comfort in her time of grief. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would minister to her and be the God of comfort that we know you are. And God, I pray that you would use the body of Christ, you would use the church to surround her with love today and in the coming days. Lord, we need you. Lord, we confess this morning that we need you. God, sometimes we get so puffed up and proud of ourselves, but God, we are weak and we need you. And so, God, I pray that you administer to Peggy. I pray that you administer the others who step forward for special prayer, God. Maybe it's a health concern. Maybe it's a family concern. Maybe it's a financial concern. Maybe it's a mental health concern, God. There's all these concerns because we live in this broken world, but God, we are so privileged that we can lift them all up to you. And we can trust you to be good, and we can trust you to do the right thing. God, we hold on to your hand today. We hold on to the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. God, those scars prove how much he loved us. Those scars prove the length that you went, God, to bring the sheep back into the fold. Help us not to forget that today, God. We love you. We worship you. We exalt your name. And God, we pray that you would speak in the rest of this service. God, if you don't speak, there's nothing of any worth going to be said here today. So I pray that you would speak, Lord. Speak, Holy Spirit. Speak to our souls. Speak to our hearts and our minds, God. Change us, God. We surrender ourselves to you. We love you, God. We want to be used by you. Light the fire on the altar of our hearts again. God, we praise you today. It's in the precious name of Jesus, because he's the one who loved us enough to give himself for us, that we pray. And Rushwood all said together, amen. Let it be so. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for church for praying with us this morning. Is God good? All the time, God is good. And so we are just so so thankful that he's here and he's ministering. I don't know how people live without God I don't know how people live without God I don't know how people live without that blessed assurance that we sang about I don't know how people face this life and what's going to happen after this life without God and so I would just encourage you today if you don't know God if you don't have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ today could be your day you might not even know why you're here this morning you may wonder why in the world did I show up to this place called Rushwood Church. Well, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit had something to do with it. The Holy Spirit had something with to do with you being here today. And so I just pray that the word that God gave me today to give you would bless you, and it would help you, and it would minister to your heart, and uh, it would make us more like Jesus by the end of our time together. We are still in a series called The Bible's Greatest Hits. By the way, we had a little kind of a week off last week as C4 Church came in and ministered to us. Didn't they do a fantastic job last week? A great job. You can tell how God is going to minister through that church in southern Guilford County. And so, again, I would ask that you continue to pray for C4 Church. You would continue to pray for Pastor Ryan Sims and his wife Felicia as they launched this church on September 8th several of you raised your hand and said I'm gonna pray every day for C4 church up to that launch date and maybe you forgot for a day or two it's okay God gives grace just pick up and I'm reminding you again to pray for that church That's part of our network of churches because look we want to see every zip code we want to see every city and every town and every spot that isn't even on the map represented on that great day of Jesus Christ. And so we work together toward that. By the way, our church raised about $1,000 for them last week, so thank you for your giving in that. Uh, What a great blessing. But again, we are in our series called The Bible's Greatest Hits, and we've been going through some of the most popular, well-known, most useful, we have found, verses of God's Word over the last little while. This is a long series. This is the longest series that God laid on my heart to preach this year. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that it's ministered to you. And it's going to go on all the way through the end of September, all the way through our Fall Family Fun Fest. Which, by the way, Pastor Jason already mentioned that. But we do days like that. We have days where we just have all sorts of great stuff going on. We have food, we have games. Usually we have a hayride for the kids, all sorts of stuff like that. We don't do those just to enjoy ourselves, although that's a good part of it. We do those to give you an excuse to invite somebody to church who maybe wouldn't come any other way. But you get get an excuse to invite them here, to enjoy the fun, to enjoy the fellowship, to see that Christians aren't as weird as they think we are. And the church isn't maybe as weird as they think it is. And and maybe, just maybe, Jesus will get a hold of their hearts. And maybe he'll just change their lives that day. And so I want you to go ahead and think about people you can invite, people who might come here on that day. And uh, I don't really care as long as it's not sin. I don't really care how we get them here as long as they get here and they hear about Jesus. So please be thinking about who you can invite. But today we are going to talk about the verse... That Bible teacher Francis Chan, how many of you know Francis Chan? Anybody know Francis Chan and his ministry? Great minister, check him out, his his videos are online. Great minister of the gospel. Actually a guy who had a mega church out in California and, and he loved his church and his church was really growing, but God said, you know what, this is not exactly what I want you to do. And he left his megachurch and he started a series of house churches that are just flourishing right now. And so anyway, neat guy, neat ministry, great teacher of the Bible. I wouldn't agree with him on every single point, but that's okay. God's going to straighten us all out on something when we get to heaven. And so he'll straighten one of us out on the points where we disagree. But Francis Chan said this, the Bible verse we're going to talk about today, he called the the most misquoted verse in the world. The most misquoted verse in the world, and he's not saying that people quote this wrongly. He's saying that they quote this in such a way that it doesn't give the meaning that the Bible actually intended to give to this verse. The most misquoted verse in the world. Almost everyone knows this verse. Most of you have probably learned it at some point along in Awanas or Sunday school or just through preaching or whatever. You've probably, if you've been around the church anytime at all, you probably picked up on this verse. It's sometimes called the ten-finger prayer because one translation of this verse, one way of putting it, there's ten words to it. And so sometimes it's called the ten-finger prayer. It's Philippians 4.13. Philippians 413 which says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me Anybody know that verse? Anybody familiar with that one? Okay, I figured you probably were let's say it together Can we say it together and I'm going to say it in this version. I know there's different translations, but let's say it together I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me great positive verse strong meaning behind that verse and when you're getting down and out and when you are thinking things are falling apart that's a great verse to turn into a prayer and just say God I just wanna I want to remind myself I want to remind myself before you that I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me or strengtheneth me as the King James says that's tough to say sometimes one of the favorite verses of Christians worldwide Definitely a favorite verse of Christian athletes worldwide. I want to give you five examples. We see this a lot of time in sports. We've kind of almost turned it into the official verse of Christian athletes. So I want to give you five athletes this morning uh, who have used this verse in different situations. Let's see if we got the first one here. Evander Holyfield. anybody remember Evander Holyfield? world heavyweight champion now he has a son actually who was playing for the Carolina Panthers Elijah Holyfield but anyway if you remember this guy had to fight Mike Tyson if you remember back in the day Mike Tyson was knocking everybody out he he had he had gone away and they had been in prison actually for a while and then he had to come back and he was just wiping people out and then he ran into this dude named Evander Holyfield and this verse If there had been internet the way it is now, this verse would have been trending everywhere because on his robe, Evander Holyfield had stitched Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he went on to beat Mike Tyson a couple of times, lost part of his ear in the process. I don't know if you remember that or not. But anyway, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was the verse that he relied on. Another guy you might remember. Tim Tebow, we've talked about Tim Tebow, one of the greatest Christian athletes of all time, uh, champion at the University of Florida. Florida. I think Florida beat Miami last night. I'm not sure in North Carolina if we really care too much about that, um, but it did happen. But anyway, on his eye black, Philippians 4.13, that was the first verse he used on his eye black. And a few weeks ago, we showed the story of how that changed into to John 3.16 and how God used that to basically touch the world Uh, with that verse. But there's another athlete who drew strength from Philippians 4.13. Let me give you another one. Steph Curry, North Carolina guy. I think he was born in Ohio, but he's basically a North Carolina guy. And I don't know if you can see on his shoes the arrows pointing to where he used to write on his shoes. I don't know if he still does this. I can do all things dot, dot, dot. And actually, Under Armour took that and they made it into bracelets and they made it into shoes and they made it into t shirts. Now, unfortunately, it didn't finish the verse. It only said, I can do all things, which can be either a secular statement or, if you continue the verse, can be a Christian statement. Um, but Steph Curry, before he was draining those three pointers, used to write that on his shoes. Okay, a couple of athletes you may not have heard of um, Laura Wilkinson was a diver for the USA and she said at the Sydney Olympics in the year 2000 that was her constant she didn't wear anything couldn't wear anything because of the Olympic Committee and all that but she said that that was the verse that was constantly in her mind that was the verse that gave her strength as she won a gold medal in diving for the United States I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and then I'll give you one more who this dude took it to the next level Kind of a blurry picture, but Dwight Jones, who is an MMA fighter, actually got it tattooed on his shoulder and on his chest. I know it's blurry there, but that's Philippians 4.13. His version of it may have said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and helps me knock people out. I don't know if that was his translation of it or not. But anyway, what I wanted to prove to you was this is very popular among athletes. A lot of Christian athletes draw strength from this verse. And look, this morning, I don't want to discount people who love that verse and use it that way. I'm not discounting the courage and the perseverance that this verse gives those Christian athletes as they're going through whatever they're doing, hopefully unto the Lord. But one of the problems we have in reading the Bible and one of the problems we have in memorizing verses is a lot of times we don't have it in context. A lot of times we take a verse and we don't know what surrounds it. We don't know the full story. An old uh, theological Bible study type thing says a text without a context is a pretext. In other words, you can't really understand what the verse is saying if you don't understand the things that are around it, the history that's around it, the, the other verses and what's going on. If you just learn a Bible verse by itself, we can get all kinds of bad doctrine out of that. We can get all sorts of wrong things out of that. Context is important. I was trying to think of an example, and I was just sharing with a, I was talking to a couple of folks who are teachers, and they're about to go back to school, and we're going to talk about that by the end of this sermon. But I said, you guys ready for school? And they're like, no, <laughs> we're not ready for school yet. We're, we're trying to get there. But, but this time of year, I always have dreams. I always have, I don't know if it's a recurring nightmare or what, but I always have dreams that I'm back teaching middle school again. I always have dreams and something's going wrong and I've got like the worst class list ever and kids won't listen to me. And I always have that this time of year as school starts back. I think God's saying, look, let me show you what I delivered you from. I don't know. Maybe that was it. But I was thinking back, trying to give you guys an example about context. And I thought of a a, a thing that happened during my teaching days. I had this student who moved in and you always get students who move in during the middle of the semester or during the middle of the year or whatever and so they're new and you kinda have to integrate them into everything and I had this student who had moved down from up north now we're from the south so I don't remember the state everything up north is up north you know that's just kinda how we we see that but she would moved down from up north and she was a great kid this kid plugged into my class she was a great artist she was super polite I mean she was just a super great kid and so one day, it just puzzled me to death. I'm trying to teach you about context here. It puzzled me to death because she came up to me and said in the middle of class, hey, Mr. T, that's what they called me. I never had the, you know, the, the mohawk or the earrings or the chains or anything for those of you who grew up in the 80s, but they called me Mr. T. Hey, Mr. T, she said, can I go get a drink? Well, in my southern mind, when a kid says, can I go get a drink, when we say drink, we mean a can of soda. Or a bottle of soda. You know, that's the first thing that jumped into my mind. I knew we had drink machines down by and I thought this is a good kid. She's asking me to go all the way across school and in the middle of class buy a drink. I mean, I said, well, do you have, you know, you need to take some sort of medicine or what's going on? Why do you? No, I just need a drink. I just need a drink. And I said, no, you can't get a drink. Go and sit down. I don't, well, what are you thinking, you know? And she looked at me puzzled, and I looked at her puzzled. And we had no idea, because of context, because of cultural context, what was going on there. But later I sat down and I thought on it. I thought, why did this good kid ask me to go get a can of drink in the middle of class? And it dawned on me. She was not asking for a can of drink. Where she was from, that's how they say, can I go get it? We say a drink of water, right? I need to go get a drink of water. Not her. They for wherever she was from, somewhere up north, they said, can I go get a drink? And that's where the confusion came from. I mean, down south a drink means a Coke or a Dr. Pepper. We don't really down south, we don't really say pop unless we say, I'm gonna pop you upside the head with this Coca-Cola bottle. We don't really say it's a soda or a drink or something like that. But she was just innocently wanting a drink of water and she didn't understand. I let everybody else do that. Why didn't I let her go get a drink of water? It's all about context it's all about knowing the background thing if we don't have the context in the background we're going to get confused it's the same thing for Philippians 4 13 there's a context to this verse that this is a great verse but we leave that context out and so we don't usually get the full meaning of this verse historical context there's a couple of types of context that you need to bring when you're trying to understand the Bible the first one is historical context where was this located in history what was the culture who was writing it who was the person writing it to what was the cultural historical context that's around this verse of Scripture well this verse of Scripture was written by a guy named Paul the Apostle Paul but he used to be Saul before he was Paul he was Saul And he started out, he was zealous to try to destroy the church. He was zealous to try to get rid of what he saw as this cult of Christianity. He was trying to wipe it out, but then he ran into a man named Jesus on the way to Damascus. He ran into the resurrected Lord, and it changed his life. We got a visual of that there. Paul falling down, and he hears a voice from heaven and he's blinded, and all of a sudden his life is changed. It's Jesus he's trying to destroy, becomes the Lord of his life. And once Jesus becomes the Lord of his life, instead of trying to destroy the church, he's going around the world trying to spread the gospel to the entire world of the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. And so Paul has been doing this for a while, and he upsets some people, and he ends up actually being imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. And so when Paul is writing Philippians 4.13, he's in prison. Now, Philippians is his most joyful letter. Amazing. He's in prison, but the most joyful letter, the most happy letter, the most excited letter that he writes is while he's in prison. It's called a prison epistle. Paul's under house arrest. He's probably chained to a Roman guard both day and night. And yet he's joyful, and yet he's encouraging, and yet he's telling the church, don't give up. Keep going. Keep pressing on. Keep moving forward. Don't let your your situation determine your destiny. So that's the historical context. That's the cultural context. But then there's another thing called immediate context. And that's what's right around the verse. What is the Bible saying right around that verse that you're studying? I had a friend who, who said it this way a couple of weeks ago. He said, never study a Bible verse. Never study, unless, he said, unless it's a proverb, never study a Bible verse. Study verses, study a chapter, study a section. If you really want to know what the Bible is saying, you have to zero in on more than one verse. So if we go to Philippians 4.13, and if we read just a little bit of the section around it, it gives us a whole different flavor about what Paul is talking about. Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 13. This is from the new international version says I rejoice greatly In the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me Indeed you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it I am not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need And I know what it is to have plenty. Can anybody testify to that? I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have my needs met. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, that's tough, y'all. I will say I'm content most of the time. But occasionally, just occasionally, you'll have to ask my wife for the truth on this, but occasionally there's a situation that arises where I become malcontent where I'm not so happy anymore, where something has just ticked me off and I'm not that content person that I usually, through the power of the Holy Spirit, am able to be. But Paul says, look, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. No matter what's going on, I can be content. Wow, that's I'd love to get there. I'm pressing toward that. I hope you're pressing toward that as well. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether being well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. That's the context. That's the context. Paul is in prison, and he's writing to this church, and he's saying, Look, you guys, you've been able to help me. You've been able to send me some financial support you've been able to help me and support me as I'm in prison as I'm under house arrest thank you that you're able to help me but I just wanted to let you know don't worry about it because it took you a while to get it done but it's okay because I've learned the secret of being content if I have plenty I'm good And if I don't have plenty I'm good if my if the place where I'm staying is cold I'm good if it's a little bit too hot I'm good If the food is great, I'm good. And if the food isn't good, well, I'm good. And if I'm chained to a Roman guard who's just a jerk, I'm good. And if I'm chained to somebody who's just a great guy, I'm good. It doesn't matter what the situation is, I'm good in Jesus Christ. I can do all things. I can put up with all things. I can bear all things through Him who gives me strength. So really, y'all, this verse is not about, although we apply it that way, this verse is not really about Steph Curry hitting that game-winning three-pointer. It's not about that. I'm glad athletes can take, you know, solace in this and strength from this, but that's really not what it's about. It's not really about Tim Tebow scoring a touchdown or hitting a home run or marrying Miss Universe. That guy's done a lot in his life. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's about much, much more than that. Paul would say, first of all, First of all, I am able to do all things, not for my sake, but for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ. For the sake of this greatest story ever told. For the sake of this understanding that, yes, we were lost and we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but there's a Savior who can redeem us. For the sake of that good news, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Look, Paul is not in jail because he was trying to franchise the Apostle Paul Enterprises Incorporated. That's not why Paul is in jail. Paul isn't in jail, and isn't in prison because he was trying to be the first preacher to have four books on the New York Times bestseller list. That's not what Paul was about. He wasn't trying to become the next mayor of the city of Tarsus, his hometown. He wasn't trying to make the ancient Near East version of the Fortune 500 Club. He wasn't trying to do that. He wasn't trying to build himself up anyway. Paul was trying to spread the good news about Jesus Christ. Paul was trying to let people know, look, I'm a nobody, but there's a somebody who can save you. That's what Paul was doing. That's why he could do all things for the sake, not of Paul, but the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel. Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified you know what happens when you're crucified you die okay the cross was a place where men went to die it was not not a burden to bear it it was not something that you had to put up with a lot of times we'll say well that's just my cross to carry no the cross is where you went to die if any man would be my disciple he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me And when the cross is done with you, the old man is dead. The old man is dead, and then there's a new creation that emerges. I'm crucified with Christ, and Paul says, and I no longer live. Saul is dead. Paul is here through the power of Jesus Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And listen to this. Catch this, y'all. The life I now live in the body... Yeah, Paul says, I'm still in the body. I may be a new creation, but I'm still in that body. I'm still, you know, I still have physical problems. I still have pains. I still have things I have to deal with. I'm still in this body, but I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's how I live. It's it's not me living through me. It's Jesus living through me. Church, let me ask you a question this morning. Is Jesus living through you? Are you allowing Jesus to live through you, or is it still your wants, your desire? Is it still what you want that's taking preeminence in your life, or is Jesus Christ living through you? If you can honestly not say, if you can't honestly say that Jesus is living through you, you need to go to the cross. You need to lay your life down and let him, through his Holy Spirit, live through you. It's the best life you could possibly have, by the way. Best life you could possibly have is Jesus Christ living through you. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Philippians 4.13 is not about God helping us to do the impossible for ourselves. Philippians 4.13 is about God helping us to do the impossible for Jesus and for His sake. It's not about us. It's all about Him. Not about us. It's all about Him. That's the first thing that Paul would say to us. The second thing that I think Paul would say to us, second of all, is when Paul says that he can do all things, that means all things in all circumstances. I can be hungry, I can be well-fed, I can be rich, or I can be poor. In effect, Paul is saying, I can win for God or I can lose in the world's eyes from God. I can win, I can be a winner, I can be a victor, I can be a loser in the world's eyes. It doesn't matter. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, I've done it before and I'll do it again. Through him, through his strength. I mean, read Paul's story. Read about the times he was beaten, the times he was left for dead, the times that he was shipwrecked and he was left in the ocean. Read about all the times his own people, the Jewish people that he had such a heart for, came against him because they thought he was preaching a false gospel, a false reality. Time and time again he suffered for Christ. And he says, you know what, I've done it, I can do it again because of Christ who strengthens me. Paul was one of the most brilliant human minds that ever lived. In and of himself, he was one of the most brilliant people that that ever has walked this earth. If he was around today, he would be a philosopher or or, or Paul would be some sort of guru that everybody follows. He'd be writing self-help books if he was doing it in his own strength because he was such a brilliant, brilliant man. And here he is in prison when he could have the whole world at his fingertips. Paul could have had anything he wanted. He was, he was a Pharisee. He had gone to the highest level in Judaism and among the religious leaders. Paul could have had anything. And here he is in prison when he could have had, from the world standpoint, the whole world. And he says, it's okay. Jesus gives me the strength to suffer for him. It's okay. I'm going to lay my life down for him. It's okay. I'm going to be poured out like a drink offering for him. It's okay because he's my Lord and I love him so much. This life is his. He can do whatever he wants to through me. It's Jesus in me. That's the hope of glory. That's the hope of glory is Jesus living in me. Are y'all with me this morning? We still tracking today? I mean, this is is some important stuff. It's not that Philippians 4.13 is there to to make you a better version of you. No, Philippians 4.13 is there to say, look, as a Christian who is sold out for Christ, you can keep going. And you can keep ministering for Him. No matter what comes your way, you can keep going. You can keep pressing on. Because look, guys, the world needs us. The world needs us. Jesus said, you're salt and you're light. You're the light of the world. There's not another light. We're the light of the world. The world needs us to be on our game. The world needs us to move forward, to not give up, to keep speaking the gospel, to keep sharing the gospel with both our mouths and our lives. By the way, if you're going to share it with your mouth, your life needs to line up with it. Your life needs to line up with it. If if your life ain't going to line up with it, just be quiet about it. You'll do more good for the kingdom if you'll just stay quiet if you're not going to let your life live up with it, live up to it. Paul says I can do all things I can suffer I can fail you know church here's a reality you need to grasp I think we all need to grasp this sometimes it's not the suffering that destroys a person it's the success that destroys a person have you ever heard about the percentage of lottery winners who end up Destitute and broke and I mean just all sorts of bad things. They win the lottery. They have all this money They have overnight financial success and it ruins their life I mean there are days. I'd like to give it a try right there's days I'd like to see if I could beat the odds on that, but there we we find all the time that success Brings people down. It's not always suffering. I see it with pastors Y'all, when I have a friend, and I have a lot, I love having a great circle of pastoral friends. If you come to me and you talk bad about a pastor around here, no, they're probably my friend. Okay, so I'm probably not going to listen to it because I have a lot of connections with pastors. But when I see one of my friends and their church starts to grow and everything starts to go well, I double up on my prayers for them. Yes, the ones who are struggling that I'm praying for, but it's also the ones when their church is just going great and it's just on fire and great things are happening, I double up my prayers for them because success can destroy you just as much as suffering. And Paul says, you know what? I'm not going to let suffering destroy me and I'm not going to let success destroy me. I'm going to let Jesus be the center. Paul says, I can handle success as well as suffering. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8 Paul says I consider everything a loss because of knowing the sur- because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In other words, no matter how high I'm built up and in other words, no matter how good things go for me, anything that I achieve is a loss. It's nothing compared to knowing Jesus. He's my goal. He's my prize. He's the thing that I'm after. Not the things of this world, not the accolades of this world. It's Jesus that I'm after. That's the way to stay grounded. Keep Him as the center. Keep Him as the focus. Narrow focus. Not a wide, broad focus. A narrow focus of Jesus Christ being the thing that you're looking for. The thing that you're after. That's what Philippians 4.13 is really saying. I can do it all. I can be successful. I can suffer whatever. I can do it all for the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, that's great. That's a great Bible lesson. You maybe understand that verse a little bit better, and maybe you understand even a little bit more about Bible study, and that's great and that's wonderful. But if you're smart right now, you're saying, well, Brent, what difference does that make in the real world? You've taught us something, but when it comes down to earth, I'm living on earth, I'm living I'm living with needs, and I'm living with problems. What difference does that make in this real world? Well, I thought we could kind of use school starting back as an example, as a way that we can speak the truth of this verse into a real world situation. I know that some kids have already started back to school a couple of weeks ago, and I know that a lot are starting this week. And my kids, I always tell you, that I got homeschool kids, so we usually don't start till after Labor Day, and then we work real hard and we catch up with where everybody else is. So I know, you know, some are already back, some are starting back, some will start back in the future, I get all that. But yeah, let's use this idea of the new school year and just see how Philippians 4.13 would apply to that sort of situation. Let's make some applications. First of all, I want to speak to the moms, the dads, the guardians of of students that are here this morning if you are a parent or a guardian who has a child who's going to be in k-12 kindergarten through twelfth grade this year whether it's public school whether it's home school whether it's private school charter school whatever would you stand this morning if you are a parent or guardian of a student who's k-12 going back to school this year let's give some love to our parents can we do that this morning I'm thankful for you. Stay standing, stay standing. Don't sit down yet. I'm thankful for you guys. It's a hard job, y'all. Parenting is a hard job, but it's not getting any easier in this world. It's a tough job. I'm thankful for y'all. I'm thankful that you're part of our church. I'm thankful that God is working through you. I'm thankful that you believe it's important enough that you're here and that you have your families here. I'm thankful, so thankful for you guys. But I think... Applying Philippians 4.13 in context, some things that I think you need to hear before school starts back or as school starts back. Parents, you can make it all work this year. You can get it all done. You can make it all work. Parents, you can oversee your child's educational experience in a godly way. Because that's what God wants from education. It's not about just getting a job. It's not about just making money. It's not about eventually providing a living. That's part of it. But another part of it is we want to raise up godly kids. We want to raise up godly students. In fact, I would rather my kids be good at the godly part than the other part if I had to choose. If I had to choose. Parents, you can. You can protect them from negative influences on their minds. No matter what that form looks like. No matter how if that's peers or if that's... Teachers God forbid, but if it's if it's that or if it's if it's whatever if it's media whatever you can do it You can protect your kids you need to protect your kids, but I'm here to tell you You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, and you can protect your kids for the sake of the gospel parents you can balance schoolwork and homework and classes and extracurriculars and you can still make sure your child gets to church on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights amen I just say this I appreciate the schools that don't schedule things on Wednesday nights I appreciate that if your school is like that you call your child I want to encourage you you call your child's principal and you say thank you that you honored church night thank you that you allowed time for my kids to come and do the spiritual thing call them they need that support they need that encouragement Parents, you can do all things this year for the glory of God because it's Jesus Himself that's going to give you strength. You can make out this can be the best school year your family has ever had. It really can, not because of how great you are, but because of how great the Savior living in you is. If you'll just get yourself out of the way and let Him live through you, and it's all for the glory of God. It's all for the glory of His kingdom. Church, again, let's show some appreciation to our parents. I hope. I hope that encourages you and parents now you can be seated thank you thank you so much for playing along I know that we are we are blessed and I joke about teaching and might not have been the best fit for me but I know for some people it's a calling it's a calling God put a calling on their life to work in a school system and I am so thankful for those people who have that calling on their lives And so teachers, administrators, support staff, if you work at a school, would you stand? Would you stand now? If you're a teacher, an administrator, support staff, let's give it up for these folks. Amazing. Amazing. I know what you guys go through. Don't sit. Stay standing. I know what you guys go through. And I, I want to just encourage you this morning. Can I do that? I want to encourage you that you can face another 180 days of insanity. I know that you can do it. I promise that you can do it. I used to have on my board, like from day one, 1 over 180. I was counting those things down, man. School workers, you can deal with kids whose favorite phrase is, I don't know. And whose second favorite phrase is, I don't care. I promise you, you can do it again. You can deal with them one more time, one more go-round. You can put up with parents who expect you to work miracles in a few hours every day that they have not been able to work in their children's born days. You can do it. Administrators, you can deal with teachers who are used up or burned out or unsure if they're in the right profession you can do it you can be the leader that they need teachers you can press on despite being underpaid underappreciated and oftentimes disrespected but thank you we want to give you respect for what you do we're so so thankful for you and the work that God does through you support staff you can do your duty to make the school a better place even if people there sometimes take you for granted And take for granted the great job you do. You can make it happen and you can serve the Lord through your job at the school. All of you, you can all do amazing things despite all the challenges. Because God, I believe this, God has placed you in a unique position for this time and this season to bless those around you and to bring glory and honor to His name. And look, I know you can't always say it, but you can live it. You may not always be able to say it, you may not always be able to speak it, but you can live it before them, and they can know the love of God through you, and we believe that you can do that. Can we honor our school workers? Can we honor those who work in our schools? You may be seated. I have former students who still occasionally send me messages and will say that I made a positive impact on their lives. and. I don't know. That's all of God. That's all of God that that happened, but um, you guys are doing great stuff. Finally, our K-12 through students. If you're kindergarten, I know we've got a lot of students who are over there in Rushwood Kids this morning. But finally, our K-12 through students, if you're in kindergarten through 12th grade, would you please stand today if you are a K-12 student? Aren't we so thankful for our students? Aren't we so thankful for... so thankful for you guys. Students I know some things about you. I know some of you love school and some of you hate school. I know that and that's okay. For some of you I know the school part comes easy and the social part comes tougher. And for some of you it's just the opposite. I know some of you want that perfect straight A honor roll every single time and some of you just want to pass and that's okay. I know that every one of you who claims to be a Christian, you, you, you guys are the light of your school. Especially among that student body, you're the light of your school. You are the light of the world in your school. Jesus said, we are the light of the world. And your school, at least for the school year, is your world. I know you guys have a lot of problems to face that we did not have to face in school and I'm sorry for that I wish this culture was different than it is but it just is what it is and we can't do a lot about that but I know that you guys have stuff you have to face that we never dreamed of but I want to encourage you today students I want to encourage those of you who are back in school or going back to school you can do it guys you can do it not because you're so great but because God is so great and if you know Jesus Christ you have him living in you and he will live through you this school year you can get past every hurdle you can avoid every trap you can let your light shine in 2019 through 2020 you can make this the best school year that you've ever had because Jesus lives within you and if Jesus doesn't live with you in your students today would be a good day to make that decision to follow him you won't regret it I promise you I've, i decided to follow Jesus at eight years old and I have never regretted it one single time But if you live for Christ, Christ will give you strength. I just want to encourage you, shine this year. Be a bright light in your school. Shine for Him. Get your heart right going in and shine for Him all year. And there may be somebody that you know, somebody in your circle of influence, somebody who eats lunch with you, somebody who's in third block with you, whatever, somebody who is in school with you. They might come to know Jesus because of you. They might come to know Jesus because of you. Let's honor our students this year. And students, you may be seated. See, Philippians 4.13 is not about how great we are. It's about how great we can be through Jesus. This year can be a great school year for those of you who are going back. And look, you say, I'm not a parent, or my kids are grown, and I don't have anybody in the schools. Hey, they still need your prayers. They still need your prayers. They still need you to minister to them and pray for them. Let's pray protection for our schools. Remember tonight at 530, we're going out and we're praying at different schools. Donnelly Laughlin is the closest one to us geographically, so that's where we're going to be. And uh, those of us who want to gather there, if you don't have another school to go to, come to Donnelly Laughlin. I'll be out there leading that prayer time. But we want you not only tonight to pray over your schools at 530. We want you to pray over our schools, our students, our administrators, our teachers. Be in prayer. Don't just start. We do great at the first of the year praying for everything. And then we kind of forget and let it go away. Let's not let that happen this year. Let's pray for our school system. I want to leave you with one thought. This has been on my mind all week. And I'm not sure if it 100% goes with this sermon. But that's okay. God's put it on my heart. So I want to share it with you. I think there's some of you, and I, I, you you could say this is a word from the Lord. I really I really believe it is. I think there's some of you that God is calling for you to go ahead and let go of this world and grab onto the hand of the Savior. And I'm not saying that you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. Maybe you're saved. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you don't. But I think there's some people that, that God is saying to right now, why don't you go ahead and go all in with me? Why don't you, you, you know... It seems like in church anymore we we feel like we have to have another Bible study or we have to have another program or we have to have another group or we have to have a different kind of sermon or, or the worship team singing a different kind of song. And all those things are great and fine, and we try to offer a variety of things here. But a lot of us already know what's right. God's calling us to do it. God's calling us to live up to it. And so I just want to encourage you, if you know what's right, do what's right. If you know what God has said, don't let Satan trick you. Satan, the first thing he said to Adam and Eve, one of the first things he said was, has God really said? Don't let Satan make you doubt. You know what the truth is. Live in the truth. Don't make excuses. Don't rationalize it away. You know what the truth of God is. Move forward in that. Walk in that. And some of you need to just go all in with God. It's time. I mean, how many years do you have to walk with him before you just go all in with him? And just say, I'm surrendering everything. We used to sing that song, I Surrender All. Some of you need to just surrender all and give your all to Him. Let go and let God. Get a hold of Him. Walk with Him and let Him do amazing things in your life. He's wanting to use you. If we just had five, ten more people just get sold out in this church, it would be amazing what God would do through you. Sell out to Him. Surrender your all to Him. We're going to have one of our Rushwood youth come, and she's going to be a guest singer, Avery Combs. Man, She's going to do a great job here. I heard her practicing this morning, and she's going to help lead uh, our last song here this morning. But this is a song, but it's also a time where you can come up, and if you need to surrender your all to God, if you need to just let go and just say, Jesus, I'm following after you. I don't care. I'm letting go of this world, and I'm going to dive in after you, and let's just see what happens. I'm going to jump off that diving board, and I'm just going to go down into the pool, and let's just see what happens. If that's you today, if it's your time to surrender all, come and do that. Come and kneel here. Come and stand here. Sit on the front queue. Whatever you need to do, stand up where you are. I I don't, I don't care what that looks like, but some of you, I just believe some of us need to just surrender everything to Jesus. Time is short. Let's be totally committed to Him. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning as we sing this last song. The altar is open. The front pews are open. Whatever you need to do, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit.
1: Worthy of every song we could ever sing.
0: Back, surrender all. Won't you come?
1: Jesus, the name above every other name, Jesus.
0: Father, husband, dad, come on. It's your time. as normally right here is where we would end the service and if you have to leave that's fine nobody's going to hold that against you if you need to go ahead and, and be dismissed but we've got some prayer needs that are going on right now and I really believe in my heart there's some more people who need to just surrender everything to God I especially believe there's some men I just feel that in my spirit you can believe that I feel that or not but I believe In my spirit, there's some guys that need to go ahead and surrender everything to God and just let go. And so if you need to be dismissed, you're welcome to leave, and nobody's going to think bad of you at all. But if you would like special prayer, if you say, you know what, I've just been holding on, but I need to let go, and I need to surrender everything to Jesus, and I need to go all in with Him, I'd invite you to come on up. We're going to have a special prayer time for you, worship team, whatever you need to do, whatever you need to do. But we're going to have a special time. Look, look, don't miss your moment. I believe Jesus is here in a special way. I believe he's here in a special way. Don't miss your moment. You don't know how he, when he's going to pass by this way again in the same way. So we're going to have a special time of prayer again. If you need to leave, if you need to be dismissed, it's fine. But if you need to go deeper with Jesus this morning, come forward. It would be a good day for it. It would be a great day for it to go ahead and go deeper with him. I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to invite you. There's some more folks that need to come. I promise you that. There's some more folks that need to step out and say, I'm not where I need to be. I need to go deeper. I need to surrender everything with, to Him. These young people are leading you. Praise God, these young people are leading you. But we need some senior saints, and we need some middle-aged saints, and we need some dads, and we need some moms and some grandparents. We need some people to step out and say, I am going deeper with Jesus. He's going to be the center of my life. I'm surrendering all to Him today. You might never come to this point again. You might never come to this moment again. I don't know. I don't know the future. But I'm going to invite you. The worship team is going to do something behind us. I don't even know what they're going to do. But I invite you to come for this time of prayer. God is moving. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. I invite you to come. I invite you to come. Worship team, whatever you need to do. I can't stay where I am when Jesus wants to take me further. I can't stay where I am. I need to step out. I need to move with him. I need to go where he's going. I need to deny myself. I need to take up my cross. I need to follow him. Step out and come. Come on down. Come on down. somebody might think something about me who cares they're not going to be your judge anyway real men don't do that spiritual stuff no real Jesus real men follow the Lord Jesus step out guys come on moms dads grandparents teens whoever come on down get some more There is more and you need more of it and I need more of it. Come on down.
2: Father God, we are amazed by your presence, Father, we are so thankful for each and every soul that has stepped out and said, I want to go deeper with you, Jesus. prayer is this song Lord that you will show us who you are fill us with your heart and lead us God Father I pray for each and every person that has made a commitment here today God Lord, when they leave this place and they're faced with every opposition in the world that comes their way, God, I pray that they'll be reminded of your presence that they felt here today and the commitment that they made to you that they're going deeper with you. And as Bryn has so preached it to everybody in this place, we can do it they can do it, Father. Satan's going to tell them they can't, but God, they can do it. Thank you, Jesus, that through Christ all things are possible, God, and we will not be shaken by the enemy. Father, I believe they can do it. Father, I pray but you would affirm that in their hearts God God as the words have said show me who you are show them who you are fill them with your heart And God may they surrender all to your leadership Father we thank you for your presence We thank you, God, that you are so good to us. When we're so unworthy, but God, you are still good. In a world full of darkness, in a world full of hate, you're still God. And you're still good. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. God, we ask, Lord, that you go with us now. As we depart from this place, God, fill us with your love. We thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen.